Hello and welcome back to the All Yes On Me podcast. I'm your host, Robson Scott, and I'm here with the quiz masters themselves, Ross Parker and Joe Hastings. Ross, I'll come to you first. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks, Robson. It's uh, great to be on the podcast. How are you doing? I'm all right. You're very welcome to be here. Joe, same question to yourself. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. It's an absolute privilege to be invited on. Just hope we can um, provide you with some good entertainment for your um, for your podcast. As always, right. Um, so I just want to get straight into it. Uh, you boys have provided me with a lot of um, sort of comfort over the lockdown, especially on a Friday night with the uh, with the quiz. Just want to sort of ask is how that came about and why you uh, sort of started it. We've been pub quiz masters for coming up a year now if not over a year which we got into completely by accident we used to attend the pub quiz at the Blagden in Cramlington and after a few beers one night at the quiz the quiz master said he wasn't going to be there next week so Ross put his hand up and volunteered us to fill in for him mm-hmm. and that turned into two weeks and then he came back we filled in a couple more times when he was away and he was going on a three-week cruise at the very back end of last year. So we said we'd do the three weeks at the two pubs he was currently the quiz master for. And then, unfortunately for him, he had some health complications and he's never done a quiz since, and we've done them since then. So that was in the pubs. So obviously in March, when we went into lockdown, the pubs shut, so we couldn't do our quiz in the pubs anymore. And so Ross came up with the idea to perhaps look into doing one online, but we didn't want to follow the same path as some other quiz masters and just do a Facebook Live or something to that effect. We wanted it a little bit more technical. So Ross put a lot of work into sort of setting Twitch up and getting to be able to put in a music round and a picture round and from there it just went from strength to strength when I, I don't think either of us expected anywhere near the level of success we've had with it and to be honest we didn't expect to be doing it for so long either but I mean at the peak in the summer we were getting sort of 25 average viewers every single week which was when you think about it 25 teams 25 families that's, that's quite an impression you're making and from all over the country uh we had less people from leicester edinburgh all sorts of places and all of that just was from word of mouth from our friends and families and other people that were doing this quiz so when we went back into lockdown there was no question that would start back up again and um continue to hopefully provide some entertainment for people on friday nights for the next month at least yeah you certainly did that i mean it was something for me that i always looked forward to every week uh be sitting around either doing sort of uni work before i graduated um and just kind of like waiting for that friday night to have a have a cheeky gin a bit of a takeaway and then uh to sit and do the quiz i mean we didn't always do do the best but it's always um it's sort of such a good range of questions you know we've got like sort of um my girlfriend's younger sister sort of getting questions right that we didn't know and then we're getting questions right and stuff and like it just 
Um, it's always such a such a fun thing and something to look forward to. Ross, I'm going to bring it over to you. How hard was it to get it set up before the technical issues? Yeah, it, it, it's at the start, it was quite difficult to get it there. We were wanting it to do it. But a lot of it was just trial and error. You know, we had to go on and just try things out and see what worked and what didn't work. And the best way to do that was by getting feedback from people. You know, because for me, just talking, it might sound like my mic's all right. But then people were like, look, uh, your mic's a bit uh, static. And we found out, because of the way we were doing things, it weren't. That's the reason why it wasn't working so well. So we took that feedback on board and managed to get a lot better. And now, when we do it, we don't really get many issues, if any. Really, it's just it's a walk in the park now doing it. All we've got to do is just write the quiz to do it. And if you look back, I mean, we did what 17 quizzes, I think it was. So 17 weeks of it over lockdown. So it's just been. It just went, but it flew over. And I just think one of the one of the main things that made it like as successful as what it was is the fact that we sort of gave control of the quiz to the actual people doing the quiz. You know, at the end of each week, we we're saying submit what rounds you want for next week, and we were just taking on what people wanted and made them rounds. So it wasn't so much our quiz; it was a quiz for the ones who were actually taking part. Yeah, and how how hard did you sort of find it making the quiz each week? Because I know when I did some sort of quizzes over lockdown for, uh, with my parents and um, and stuff like that, like actually finding questions to, um, to sort of get, like finding questions, finding the answers uh, to actually build a quiz is, is a lot harder than it than it sounds even with the internet. Uh, Joe, I'll ask you, or is it is it Ross, I guess, who, who does the quiz every week? How do you sort of do that? Do you delegate? Is it like... So try and do it 50-50, really. With the um, the online quiz, you'll find that Joe put the picture on together. I'll do the music round. Because with the music round, you've got to we'll try to put it in all one file and have like five seconds separation between each of the tracks. So we'll do that. But for looking for for questions, because we did them in the pubs, we've been lucky enough we could go back to some of those quizzes and have a look. But then you've got to think that the, the difficulty level for people who come to the pub to do quizzes compared to people who are online, it's not the same. So you have to try and uh, find it. I mean, when we went back to the pubs after lockdown, we took the last quiz that we done online to the pub, and everybody there had said that that quiz was quite hard, which really? we were quite shocked by because we thought they would be, they would have wanted a lot harder quiz. So we had to like sort of tone it back down for them. But I think if you look at weeks one quiz online compared to week 17s, you would have found it got harder as the weeks went on because people started, you know, when you're watching the news or something and you know you've got a quiz coming Friday, you might think, oh, I'll remember that because there might be a question on that coming up. Yeah, so that's find, a, find the questions was sort of all right. I, you can get most of them on Google. There's plenty of uh, quiz books. I keep getting quiz books from my family now. Every time <laughs> someone cleans out a cover or something, there's a quiz book left over or whatever. They keep getting shut my way, so I've got plenty of questions. That's good. And I guess the same for you, Joe. Um, what, how do you sort of come up with your picture rounds and stuff? Is there a certain like level of picture that you like, or is it the, sort of the first one that you that you see? Uh, with great difficulty, to be honest. When when we were in the summer, and it was every week, I was running out of ideas for picture rounds. And even when, as Ross sort of said, we handed over the responsibility of picking the rounds to the people who were doing it, it just kept getting, I want a logos round, I want a logos round every single week. <laughs> so we didn't always give them the picture round that they wanted because you don't want it to go stale. But um, yeah, just you have to look for pictures that 
perhaps have completely distinguishable features about them. So they have to be clear of a certain size, of a certain file format. Um, when when I was doing logo rounds, I was actually photoshopping sort of any sort of text that was in the logo. I was photoshopping that out, and so it it, it did take quite a while in on some weeks to get the sort of pictures into a usable format that we could use in the quiz. Um, but as for the general questions, the first couple of times you write a quiz, it's easy. You've got the whole selection of every single question that's on the internet that you can possibly choose from. But the more and more you do it, you've used questions. So then your size of questions you can use is now it's decreasing. And it gets harder and harder to sort of cater for the difficulty level because you don't want a quiz where everyone can get 80 out of 80 or 70 out of 70 or whatever. You need some questions in there that are going to get people thinking and some questions in there that people just aren't going to know. It's it's like in exams, there was sort of always one one question towards the end of the paper that was just put in there to stop people getting full marks. And that's the same sort of thought process that we use in writing the quizzes. So do you think that um, from doing this, that you've sort of built up um, a load of new skills sort of this year from obviously you've done the quizzes uh, in person, but now you've took them online. I guess you've learned quite a lot of techniques that would be that could possibly come in useful uh, later on in life in different aspects. I think I've learned a lot of uh, pointless knowledge. <laughs> the amount of uh, pointless facts that I know now is just ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, learning how to do things. I mean, my job doesn't require me to do any sort of like, like broadcasting or recording. So learning uh, the software we used to do the quiz on OBS Studio. So learning quite a bit of that. You know, that's been quite interesting to do, which Robson yourself are doing like uh, like video and all that. You might have used that software. That's something more you would do. But, you know, learning it has been quite interesting, learning how to put things together, how to get certain things to work, how to make the quiz more automated. You know, it's all been interesting to learn to do. And if you wanted to put a video together later on, then I'm, I'm sure you could use your skills to do that. Yeah. I mean, I, I have to admit, it did. I was certainly impressed when I sort of started up at the level of um, how professional it looked. It wasn't really just thrown together. You could, so, you could really see that you could put a, an awful lot of work into it. And um, yeah, I guess if anything, I just want to say thank you for uh, for keeping me entertained on a Friday night. Oh, I don't know if you want to want to give it a shout out so that if anyone who's listening might want to do it next week. Uh, just sort of like what you it's on Twitch, right? Yeah. Do so you know what your your login is or? Yeah, so the link for anybody that wants it, it's twitch.tv forward slash then it's Ross underscore Parker, just my name. Uh, you just go there on a Friday night. I think we start shooting about 20 past 8, but it's just music for the first 10 minutes, and then the quiz actually starts at half 8. And it's 8 rounds. Obviously, one of them's a picture round, and uh, another one's a music round. But yeah, it's just a good laugh. Everyone can come on, you know, they can take the, the make out of each other in the comments. They can give us some stick of the wand. It is um, certainly worth doing. If anyone um, who's listening hasn't done it, so I would very much recommend that. Um, so moving on, anyway, um, I don't know about you, Joe, but uh, this week I've been uh, awfully uh, interested in finding out 
about um, what Ross got up to last weekend. I know certainly uh, we haven't been able to escape the amount of photos that's been put on Facebook and Instagram of uh, them letting Bill in. Um, you are lucky enough to get away on holiday last week, Ross, for what's that? Is that your second holiday this year or your third holiday? Uh, that's my third, I think. Third holiday. Um, so it hasn't the, the pandemic doesn't seem to have affected uh, your traveling abilities. Um, no. Is there anything that, you, that you'd like to tell about? Any stories or anything from la- that came from last week? Where was your favorite places in Berlin? <laughs> I know we spoke about this on the first podcast the other day. Me and uh, Ben spoke about Berlin. How did you find it? You know, I love the Brandenburg Gate. I love going up to see the Brandenburg Gate. And I love just then, obviously, just a little short walk away from there, as you'll know, is just the Reichstag, which is just a beautiful building as well. And I went back to see that at night time. I got a really good photo there with the the wind was blowing just at the right time as well. And the, I got the German flag flying right next to it. It just is a lovely place. It's a lovely city. It's full of culture. And just getting around the city is so interesting. Like the, uh, like the, the S-Bahn, which is the overground uh, trains and then there's the u-bahn which is the subway just learning that and like getting on there and seeing the types of people who are on there like what they're all up to i mean when i was on there i was shocked by the amount of people who were just sitting drinking a bottle of beer because if i yeah. got in the metro with a bottle of beer i think i'd be looked at and disgusted by some people <laughs> so it was quite yeah. good like seeing what the people get up to there and it just is a it's such a vibrant city it's full of life and i would definitely love to go when uh obviously all this stuff's over with coronavirus to see that side of the nightlife of berlin yeah, of course. I mean, uh, I don't want to turn this into the sort of Berlin podcast, but uh, I will speak about it again. Um, I, I mean, I went in February for the, the Berlin Film Festival and I absolutely loved the place. Um, like you say, I think the travel there was one of the most interesting things. Uh, you paid, I think I paid uh, 38 euros for a week uh, ticket. And that got me just, I mean, the amount of time to use it in a day, especially when you're getting from one end of Berlin to the other. Um when you're going to see between like sort of films um it, it's just it's so easy and to have something like yeah. that in this country in i mean obviously they have it in london but to have it somewhere in uh like sort of newcastle and around the northeast i think would be would be fantastic um definitely i and, think i think it's easy to forget how big berlin is as well course, i mean yeah. we were staying you have to forgive my german pronunciation we were staying on a street called uh Friedrichstrasse. yeah and then uh, at the bottom of that street is Checkpoint Charlie, which I'm sure everyone's heard of. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were looking at the uh, the subway map, and there's only, I think it was two or three stations between where we were and that one. So we were thinking, oh, we can walk that quite easily. But walking down the street, it just never seemed to end. It took yeah. over half an hour to walk there, and it would have just took you, I mean, the sake of what, five minutes on the subway? Yeah, it, it is interesting. And getting around at first is awfully confusing. I don't know what it was like last week, but when I was there, obviously the sort of virus wasn't really... No one really was worried about it, so it was packed like at all hours of the day, and um, it can be awfully sort of disorientating when you're running through a subway to try and get uh, to a certain one. But I mean, they come every every couple of minutes, so if you miss one, like you very rarely sort of see anyone running for one because if they miss one, you know you're going to get another one in sort of yeah. two minutes. Um, how did I take it? Obviously, you were there with a few of our friends and stuff, and I presume that you. Yeah, sort of utilize the nightlife and the sort of daylight of Berlin, considering the bars are open virtually 24 7. Is uh, what kind of uh, whereabouts were you? Can you remember any of the bars that you were in? Any recommendations for the next oh, time? Well, we spent a lot of time near uh, Alexanderplatz, yeah, which yeah. is where the big TV tower is. There's a lot of bars around there, I would definitely say for people that are just kicking about that area. And then there's a I can't remember the exact 
name of it, but if you got on the, the train from there, and there was just one stop away, you'd get another, I think it's a Hackershire Mart or something like that. Yeah. That's got a load of bars to it as well. And there's loads of places you can go. You just I would just say just go and explore. Yeah. Just go out, head one place and go there. I mean, when we were there, all the bars were shutting at 11 o'clock at night, so you couldn't really see what the nightlife had to offer, but we were out from, I don't know, like say 9 o'clock in the morning or whatever, and you'd be on the drink from 9 to 11, you, you know, you feel yeah. it by the time you get home. <laughs> Of course. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was obviously it was different, like I say, when I was there, because we would sort of spend our entire days uh, watching films and going around and doing the sort of sightseeing things. Um, and then we'd get back to the sort of um, we were staying in the circus hostel. I would definitely recommend it. When you go to sleep, you, you're, um, you sleep next to a picture of uh, David Hasselhoff. Uh, so it was one of them next to every uh, next to every bed and stuff. So that, that's pretty fun. Um, we got to sort of lay down on that bed for the first time and turn my head right and say that was was uh, also funny. But um, they, they've got a great bar downstairs and they actually have their own beer as well, which is uh, very, very nice. Also cheap as well. Um, but like I say, we would get back at like sort of 11 o'clock at night and then just be like, oh, should we go? We hit, there was a couple of uh, bars across the road. So then we would go there until like stupid o'clock in the morning. You've got some people not coming back till like seven o'clock in the morning and then spending the entire day off in Berlin watching uh, watching films and then repeat for like the best part of a week so that was uh that was fun but it, it's it's an absolute it's a great city and honestly I, ca- I can't recommend it more to anyone um full yeah. of history full of lo- loads of museums and then obviously you've got the great nightlife as well there's a, there's a bar there that's it's hidden out the way it's on a it's on called Karl Marx Street or Karl Marx as it is in German and uh, you have to go inside the shopping center to get to it yeah. And you go in, you have to head into the lifts and uh, go up towards the like the parking place and all that. And you go up to level five in there. And when you come out, you're just in the middle of some sort of like multi-story car park. And you walk out and then you go up another ramp. And when you get there, there's just a hidden bar on top of this uh, this big multi-story car park. Wow. And if you go there, if you went there, it's sunset or something like that. From where you are outside, you can just see the whole city of Berlin. You can see the TV tower. If you look closely, you could probably just make out the dome on top of the Reichstag. Wow. And it, it is honestly beautiful. I mean, I went at night time and there's a big crane in the way, but <laughs> if you could go there at uh, June sunset or something, I think it would be beautiful. And it wasn't even that expensive for a beer. I think it was like no, two, it was good. two it was... euros or something for a bottle yeah. of uh, burning up pills. I mean, even the um, where we were in that circus hostel, um, they, they used to do like happy hour and stuff. So we were getting like rainbow shots. And uh, then you you could get like a Stein for two fifty euro, I think it was, if that. To be honest, and like it was just, it's just great. Um, so uh, the next thing I sort of want to come on to is is kind of um, Joe. I know me and you have, have known each other virtually all our lives. We live pretty close to each other, um, and my parents are uh, like know each other pretty well. Um, but how our sort of group of friends all came together is, is it's quite funny. And uh, I just thought it would be an interesting thing to talk about and we can sort of relive some of the stories and look back on some quite funny memories. Um, so I think the, the first point when I think this all started happening was when uh, me, Darren uh, and Toff used to go to Concordia Gym um, after work when we worked at Argos. And we used to see um, Ryan, Becca and Ross um in there very like quite often so then obviously we got talking um a few times and stuff and sort of got uh got a bit pally 
And then uh, when our other friends like Nicole and and Beth uh, got a house in, is it Heaton? I think the first yeah, one Simon was Side. Simon Side, yeah. Uh, and uh, they had a they had a was it the first one a Halloween party or was that was that the second? I think that was might have been the second one actually. Oh, that was the second one, either Halloween yeah. one. So so the first one, um, we all kind of turned up. Um, me and Darren and stuff were there, and then. I remember like you all came in, so we just obviously naturally got got talking. And that night is just there's so many stories that we can go into. Um, I think we all sort of when we first got there, and we all hadn't had had much to drink. We all sat in their living room watching an Anthony Joshua fight on uh, was it Bacon or Ross's phone? Um, and then the night proceeded to go what you could say uphill in terms of humour, but downhill in terms of the condition of the house after that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just want to know if, if there's anything from that night that uh, you particularly uh, want to talk about. Joe, I'll come to you. What are your memories of that night, if you have any, that is? <laughs> well, my memories of that night are being sat watching the Snapchat stories come through from my hotel room in Florida. Oh, yeah. So you weren't even there. You didn't I, make it to the first one. I wasn't even there, that one. No. Um, with the time difference and everything, it married up perfectly for me to just be able to sit just before I was going to bed and watch all these hilarious videos come through, <laughs> oh my God, I was gutted that I wasn't there. And it's still, you know, it that, that night still gets talked about now. And I didn't witness it at all in person. My first one was at the Halloween party the next yeah. next time. So I'll have to pass, pass it over to Ross. I think the interesting thing about that is is that there's a couple of uh, of people in the in the group and stuff who have like similar situations. So like Erin uh, wasn't at uh, the thing that I'll come on to next, so Ross's birthday, so she missed out on that opportunity, which was like sort of the real real foreman of that group. Um, so oh, that's very unfortunate. I didn't know you were you weren't actually there. Um, I but... couldn't have made that much of an impression on you then. <laughs> so Ross, we'll come over to you. Some of the things that happened that night. Um, I don't know where do you, where do you want to start. <laughs> well, I remember bacon crawling into somewhere like loft space. This is the story that I was hoping you would talk about. Uh, and then the door getting shut on them, and then uh, I think it was Panty was holding the door close, and bacon started braying on the panel in front of it, and the panel just uh, gave way and just came flying out the door. <laughs> and bacon just came crawling out there. It's a good video of that. Yeah. Uh, much to the sort of an amusement of Nicole and Beth who just moved into this house about a week earlier. Um, there was, I think, that another list of things that got broken was that there was a toilet seat that was broken. Yeah, well, uh, was, I think it was sort of the beginning of the end for bacon when that panel <laughs> came off, like, because uh, shortly afterwards he got blamed for the toilet seat and then he got thrown out, didn't he? Yeah, he was, I mean... Uh, instead of in a massive argument. Yeah, the, uh, there's a great, a great argument that I'll, I'll resurface on Twitter after this. Um, one of the funniest videos I think to exist, uh, especially to do with our friendship group. I'm having an argument. Um, I mean, it's not for the faint-hearted to watch, but it's honestly one of the most funny things I've ever seen. So uh, look out for that on Twitter. It's definitely on my Twitter. If you scroll down far enough, yeah. like. <laughs> um, and then, so so I remember that night, you were sort of going around asking um, if people wanted to go out for your birthday, which was a few weeks later. Yeah. Um, and that is kind of how 
how the group uh, was was really formed. Now, Joe, did you make that one? Were you there for Ross's birthday? Yes, I was there for that that one. Yes, it was a brilliant day. And as you said, it was the 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 real the forming of that group. I can't remember how many people were actually there. There was was it about seven or eight? There wasn't too many. I don't know. There might be more than that. Yeah, yeah, because we got the bus from the shops. I remember, and that that was was awfully funny because we'd all turned up dressed up like like quite nicely. And Planty just turned up wearing like hoodie, and basically he hadn't. I don't think he'd been home from the night before. So when we first got to Durham, we had to go to Top Man to get him a different top so he would fit in with us. Um, we nearly missed the train as well, if you yeah, remember. Yeah, yeah, we did. We were all yeah. running yeah, down. I remember running for that. I mean, you ran across there, didn't Robson? You yeah. in like some uh, probably like small shoes when you having to run yeah. all the way across. And I remember that we got there and uh, met the girls on the train in Arge. And uh, the train ended up being delayed, like, 45 minutes. So we all ended up sitting there, like, sweating <laughs> for, uh, for like, a good good half an hour by the time we got there. So, um, so yeah, so then we got to we got to Durham. I remember, I mean, one of my only memories of that day is, uh, is Darren just being absolutely paralytic and thrown up on the train on the way back. And um, the other one, my credit card, my credit card, my debit card getting swallowed by the cash machine. Um, and that was just like, it just kind of topped off the day, really. Uh, I was trying to get more money out, money that I probably didn't really have to spend at the time, just so I could get another drink. And then, um, <laughs> and and then that, that going. So so that was quite, quite irritating. Yeah, I was uh, talking about the photos from Durham there. I think it was about, maybe it was 15 there. Yeah, uh, there was a good, a really good mix of people. I remember being in one of the bars, um, right in the center, um, and it was virtually dead. And it was, but like we walked in and basically took over the dance floor and stuff. And it was just, it was just a great like day. And it really, really sort of formed such a what's become such a great friendship between all. And um, because I mean, since then we've had the bunkhouse that we all went away on, um, which was which was great. A lot of laughs there. Um, one one of the highlights for me is us all going through. Where, where actually was it, Joe? Can you remember where the the place was? The the bunkhouse. Yeah. Yeah, was Wallington Wallington Hall, up sort of north of Pontyland, up towards well, on would take you up to Jedbra. Yeah. Uh, 40, 40 minutes drive from here. I I just remember us um us walking through the sort of hall part and the sort of gardens that they have that's open to the public that I don't think we kind of realised would be as busy as it was as we all walked through uh, I think there was sixteen of wood in our sort of tracksuit bottoms all hanging from the night before bacon with a can of Carlin in his hand uh, and a fag in his mouth um walking through just getting some horrendous looks from the general public. Um, but again, another great memory of the group. Um, and it was just it, like, I, I can't wait to really get back to these times. Obviously, we're, we're meant to go away again for your birthday this year, Ross, and we've had to sadly cancel. Um, yeah. But I'm sure as time goes on, we'll just we'll make many, many more memories and it'll be just have a great laugh along the way. We'll, we'll get it reorganized. Like, it's yeah. a bit of a shame to cancel that punk house coming up, but uh, we'll get that one reorganized. I think the bunk, the, the first bunk, I was just, was just funny. I thought to describe that to people who weren't there. 
Yeah. And I remember you, Robson, on the Saturday morning, you were in an absolute foul mood, just hunched yeah. over that iPad that you love. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to go with bacon. <laughs> because uh, I'll... Uh... I'd, I'd gone to bed pretty late, I think. Uh, obviously, to sort of set the scene, um, we were sleeping in bunk beds, um, but me and Erin ended up sleeping on the same bed together, so we were like, there was no room. I don't know why we did that, um, but because um, we weren't allowed to have one of the couple's rooms. Um, they'd already been claimed. So I just remember about half five maybe six o'clock in the morning being just probably got to sleep for about two hours and um planty bursting into the room with the speaker on full blast waking us up and just like i'm not a morning person at the best of times so being hung over um and getting up that early just just really really uh knocked me i guess and then i was sat upstairs sort of half asleep on my ipad like you say um I just remember Bacon sort of starting to have a go at me from, from looking miserable. And I'm I'm also quite a miserable person as well, I'm sure people will know. And uh, yeah, I was I was in a foul mood that morning. And Bacon sort of pointing it out to everyone didn't really sit well with us. But uh, <laughs> we'll move on anyway. Um, I've tried to sort of stay, stay clear of this on the podcast because um, it's not to everyone's taste, I know. But... Uh, Football is such a massive part of my life and I know of your two lives as well. Um, and especially going on sort of away days and, and travelling to watch football. Um, Joe, how, how much are you missing it right now? Oh, you've got no idea. My my week revolved around where I was going to be on the Saturday. So to now be able to wake up on a Saturday, whatever time I want, no alarm. You know, normally it would be village on Friday after work or uni or whatever. And then an, a skin fall in the village, mm-hmm. wake up on an alarm about six o'clock if it was a long distance one, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, early doors on a Saturday, get in a car or on a bus and just go to the game. Rough, rough as out and a couple of beers during the day, watch the match, come home. And to now not be able to do any of that, it's you, you sort of forget what it what it was like. So now that I've had what the past seven months or something with having free Saturdays every Saturday, it's probably gonna be a shock when I can get back to football, if you know what I mean. Yeah, of course. I mean, and uh, to sort of point out as well, when we talk about Joe and going away, it's always for Blythe Spartans. So when you're getting up at sort of five o'clock, six o'clock in the morning, that's always for a three o'clock kickoff on the Saturday afternoon. Never sort of an early kickoff or anything, as it doesn't really exist at non-league football. So so to get up at six o'clock, it's quite a trek to get somewhere for um, for three o'clock, and especially when you're hanging and stuff as well. Um, I mean... Blythe playing in the Northern League doesn't always mean that they play against Northern opposition, uh, from what I've found out over the past couple of weeks. Um, I think Reese Williams, who um, is one of Liverpool's uh, centre-halves, is thrown in at the moment, played for, um, I want to say, Kidderminster. Um, and and they play in Blythe's League. So when I was looking to try and see where it was, that was like Birmingham way, um, which, if I'm going to Silverstone and stuff, I know that's not a, a, like a sort of 
anywhere close around here. So the fact that they're in the Northern League was a bit of a shock to me. So credit to you going week in, week out um, away and uh, following uh, your local team. But speaking about uh, sort of local teams, I guess it goes down to Ross's dad and what his local team was to why we go away. Um, and that would be to, to Hearts in Scotland. I mean, we went to a couple of... Um, we went to a couple of Edinburgh derbies, didn't we? And we went to the Rangers Hearts yeah. game as well at Hamden. Um, I think I was, I'm a massive uh, sort of bad luck charm because on the games that I've been to, I've still never seen them actually win a game. Um, yeah. But the I memories think it's more that the were, team is you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I might be letting them off a bit lightly by saying that. Uh, but the memories we've had from going there are, are awfully, awfully good. Um, I think the first time we went. Uh, was that it? that was a Saturday I think, and it was an early kickoff. Um, and that and you took me, you just basically took me around Edinburgh and showed me a sort of look. And we've got that Weatherspoons that we like to go to uh, when you get there. Um, I can't the remember stand which, order. the stand and order. Oh, that's the one. Yeah, and then um, I think that that was at uh, Tyne Castle, and then we went to away to the Easter Road um, fixture. I think we did a similar thing again but that was that was awfully interesting being in a way fan there and um i mean that was a good game hearts ended up scoring a last minute or close to last minute equalizer just seeing all of us run i think originally because uh, we didn't really have our seats there did we like you were standing and you didn't have yeah. like there was, it was far too many dog, people. You couldn't yeah. expect of course not but but there was there was far I, i've never really sort of experienced it to that level before where it's like there's so many people on one row clearly that weren't in that sort of allocated section or yeah. like the seat but the atmosphere that I created was, was fantastic I mean we were talking to people who are sort of so friendly and kind of like oh the fact that we were English in a sort of massive Scottish derby you would think that it might be a slightly hostile but it wasn't it was quite the opposite and they were so loving and the fact that we'd come up from Newcastle for the game they quite I think they respected that um, and then when Hart scored, I think I ran down the steps to celebrate, and you kind of like were a bit, oh, oh we're doing that, or we ran down. And then I always remember just seeing you jump on the sort of advertising board to just see a policeman with massive, massive padded gloves basically smack you in the stomach and uh, while celebrating. You're kind of like half bent over, struggling to breathe whilst we're all celebrating an Uchi equaliser. Um, and that's sort of one of my uh, favourite memories that'll sort of stick with me for uh, probably the rest of my life. But um, <laughs> seeing the fact that the uh, the derby last week and Hearts winning, especially being in the sort of lower division now, um, just sort of reminded me like how how much I'm really missing football and like I, I think it's hard to call it football when fans on on in the ground. Yeah. Um, and because you know for a fact that I know you were obviously in Berlin last week, but had that game have happened when it was meant to have happened, um, we would have been there without a doubt. Um, yeah, we'll pattern and goal, weren't we? Yeah, and um, it's just such a shame that we, we missed that because, again, that would have been the first kind of um, first taste of, of a win that I might have had. I remember being on one of the, uh, bar, I think it was, was it Platform 5, which called us just outside of Haymarket when we were up there. Yeah. And uh, I remember lumping uh, 200 quid on Tiger Roll to win. Oh, Because the Grand National yeah. was the same day. Uh, that first, yeah, that it was, wasn't it? Because that first one we went to, we ended up because the game was an early kickoff. Yeah. We lost, and then we ended up sitting in a bar full of, uh, sort of. Well, it was quite a mix, to be fair, of fans all sat watching the Grand National. And I just remember you were lumping a load of money on it, and me thinking, oh, should I just do it? Should I do it? And I didn't, and then it obviously came off. So, 
that was unfortunate. Um, but I remember, I think the second time we went, we'd been to a party or something the night before. We'd been out. So we were getting an eight o'clock train in the morning or something to Edinburgh. Um, and I remember the, the sort of the last thing that I wanted at that point was a drink. But you were straight on the train. The, the woman uh, getting the yeah, two cans of calling for six quid from the uh, <laughs> on the train. Um, so I have right, to commend you for that. Makes you good. Yeah, well... <laughs> Yeah, that's always the, the saying you definitely live by. Um, so, again, just sort of moving on, we'll go on to sort of um, you, Joe. You just started teaching awfully recently, obviously not how, probably in the form that you wanted to, um, but how's it going? How's, how are you finding teaching? I know a couple of people are, um, who've started and they're really enjoying it, so how are you finding it? Yeah, I'm absolutely loving it. Um, as you say, it's it might not be as you remember school, but at the minute in as, as a teacher, I don't know any different. So the way it's being done at the minute is the way, the only way I know how to do it sort of thing. So it'll be, well, hopefully next year when the whole COVID thing clears up and everything can get back to normal, then it'll be another learning curve to sort of adapt to how we might remember teaching yeah. things when we were at school. Um, what, what year group is it that you're teaching? So the school I'm at is year seven all the way to year 13. It's got a sixth form attached. Yeah. Cramlinton does. So at the minute I teach year seven, year 10 and year 13. So and, and what what is it that you're teaching? I teach physics. Physics. Wow, that's that's so interesting to be like sort of. It doesn't seem like too long ago since we were actually at school. Now you be teaching people who aren't that much younger than us, really. When you think about it, year thirteen especially, like we would be out in the village and see people who are in year thirteen around. So you're teaching people that age. How are you handling that? Is it very much sort of banter orientated? Can you keep up with the kids or is it like, uh, do you just struggle or? It, it, it's very different for, for sort of each year group. So the year 13s, I'm only three years older than them. So I'm sort of trying to be more of sort of, sort of someone around their age but who sort of knows all the answers, if you get what I'm... Yeah, yeah, of course. ...get where I'm coming from. The year 10s, a bit of both. I, I like to have a bit of banter with them, but sort of have to let them know that just because I'm young, it doesn't mean that they're <laughs> in charge or I'm going to be lenient with them or they can bully me or whatever. I'm still in charge. And with the year 7s, obviously they've just started at that school so they're still sort of finding their feet as well. So they're not really sort of pushing their luck yet with teachers and things. So it's it's it is very different for each each year group, and it it is a balance, especially in the higher years between you know how much banter you can give them, but you want to stay professional at the same time. But I I, I do find that. The sort of more you have a laugh and joke with them, the more they respect you. Yeah. And then the more work you're going to get out of them and hopefully 
the better results you're going to get from them. And then that reflects better on you as a, as a teacher. Do you have a sort of um, newfound respect for the teachers that we used to have now that you're a teacher yourself? Like, could, do you view it differently or would you still kind of, are you still not really at that stage yet? Well, if you knew me in school, I was pretty academic. Yeah. Um, sort of never in trouble or anything like that, really. But yet I could, I could get along with the teachers pretty well as well as all the kids, like all my peers, no matter sort of whether they were from a rough background or whether they were course, yeah. a wealthy family or whatever. Um, so it, it's just a case of sort of dealing with people. Um, the, the, what, what you struggle to think at school is that teachers are just people as well. Yeah. There's, there's there's nothing different between a teacher and your parents they're still they're both people just one happens to be an expert in a particular subject and has the job of passing their knowledge on to you and sort of keeping you in check while you're away from home at school for the day it's um it's awfully interesting to talk about because i think it's something that i definitely um want to get into in some way shape or form um i've always sort of thought that like teaching might be a route that i would go down um I've, i have sort of been looking into what it would take to become a lecturer um i feel like um, at the beginning of my last year at uni i remember giving a talk to the new uh, first years about everything that you sort of go through uh during the course and um, my lecture, a couple of my lecturers sort of commented afterwards saying that uh, they thought that if it was ever something I wanted to go into, I would be really um, sort of good at it. And that um, I sort of held my own in front of a, a class or whatever. So after that, I could just kind of think about how much I would I'd probably quite enjoy teaching. Um, I've always been kind of sort of similar to yourself at school where I always kind of got along with the teachers, um, not even just in a sort of academic sense, but kind of on a personal level um quite a few teachers that i would sort of happily speak to sort of outside of school as well because you could get along with them and um i think it would be quite fitting for me to go into something like that um so it is interesting to hear your viewpoint because i think it's something that could be on the horizon for me as well um i guess ross i'll just ask you as well how how you find in your job i know you've recently sort of moved on to shifts and stuff like that that's sort of a big change uh, for you being sort of alone during the week when other people are at work or at uni or in the house by yourself what do you kind of get up to and how how are you finding it i it's a it's a, it's a bit different life being on the shifts you, know, you can't really get a good sleeping pattern because one minute you're waking up early and then the next minute you go out a night shift and then you know you're not getting until seven o'clock in the morning and trying to sleep during the day it's tough but it's certainly rewarding in the amount of time you get off you know, yeah. in a minute, I'm on my 17-day break. I'll get another one in the eight weeks' time. And I'll get a load of time off in there. I'm only actually working half the year, just the way mm -hmm. the shift pattern works. Yeah. So it is really good with the time off. But the other flip side of the coin is that when you are at work, you're at work long hours, you know, doing 60-hour weeks and that. It does cool. get tiring by the end of it. But it's just something yeah. you've got to do, isn't it? you got to – everyone's got to go at work. If you've got to do that, you've got to do that. 
Yeah, I mean, I know my dad also who uh, works shifts, uh, works shifts in a sort of similar industry to you, um, and he, it's like sort of, I'll see him for five days, sort of straight, and sort of speak to him loads, and then there'll be sort of four days where I never, I don't hear from him, um, or he'll ring me on his way to work for a quick one minute, two minute chat. But it, it is very interesting because, um, I think especially for sort of his partner and stuff like that, um. And when you find yourself a partner as well, uh, how how interesting it is from that dynamic because it's not like you're working sort of nine to five and then coming home and um, having tea, watching something on the telly or whatever, going to bed, waking up sort of similar time in that routine. It's all, it's constantly changing, and how sort of people other than you, sort of your family and your uh, and your sort of girlfriend or whatever. Um, adapt to that as well it must be pretty hard um yeah i mean the biggest thing is at the minute with being young and having a social life and that is just that you know i don't get holidays anymore so say like something pops up you know everyone decides to go somewhere you've just got to check your your, you know your rota and sort of pray that you aren't actually at work that day yeah if you are then you've just got to get on with it and just yeah it's it's shit when you're there but you've got to get on with it and try and forget about it because then you know you're going to get a lot of time off and that's yeah. why we're getting managing to go away as much as I have this year. You know, being on shifts has helped because I'm getting that time off to be mm. able to go and do these things. And I really, really want to get into being start traveling, whether be around Europe or you know further afield. Yeah. And I think that's what I'm going to start doing with the time off because I don't just want to sit around and just feel like oh, I've done nothing. Apart from just sit and drink or play Xbox or whatever, like I want to actually have been gone and done stuff. Yeah, and I think those 17 days off is a great time to sort of do that, especially how if, if the kids aren't at school or whatever, um, or the kids are at school, sorry, you, you're not going to pay as much to be able to go around these places and get yeah. flights and all that sort of stuff. I know um, someone who I used to play five-a-side with a long time ago when I was younger and then uh, goes to the gym, Dan, um, he does something very similar to that where he works... Um, he does his shifts and stuff, and then when he gets that time off, he goes traveling literally all around the world. So very similar to what you're talking about. And um, he's been everywhere, and the people he meets and everything. He always, whenever he comes back, it's always like what he tells me about whenever I see him and stuff. Um, so I, I, I would recommend that uh, yeah, for we, just from knowing how much he enjoys it. We used to have a lad from Australia who used to work with us, and uh, he just wanted to. He came over to Europe because he wanted to travel around. So he got the job there, went on shifts. And then every time he was off. You would just be straight at the airport, get on a flight to somewhere in Europe, go see that for a couple of days, go elsewhere, and then you know, then he would come back, work, obviously get money, and he, he just did that for a year, and then after a year he had to go back home. But he managed to see most of Europe just doing it that way. He had enough yeah. money to go and see what he wanted to see. So for him, he said it was better than just backpacking on the place, doing like bar work, whatever, because it meant he had more money to be able to go and enjoy things. Nobody wants to get to another city. You know, like Berlin, for example, or even anywhere else, and then be worrying about, well, I've not got much cash left. I can't do this because they're trying to like balance. Oh, do I want to do this or do I want to do that? Because I can only afford to do one of the things. You want to be able to do everything you can do. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think it's something that you always sort of look back on and be thankful that you do these things if you do them. Um, I certainly uh, don't want to be sort of sat in Cramelton and sort of 60 years time never really been anywhere 
Um, and I think going to Berlin at the start of the year really opened my eyes to this because I haven't really been virtually anywhere in the world. Um, I've, I've been outside of Europe. So it is something that I'm very, very much sort of looking forward to to, uh, to doing um, and just trying to sort of see as much of the world as possible because I love sort of travel programs and watching other people do it. So I don't know why yeah. I don't. Um, I just kind of need to get get around to doing it um, myself, really. There's much more to the world than just commenting, isn't there? Yeah, exactly. You start workplace, you start to definitely experience that. Yeah. There's quite some people, and there's nothing wrong with it, you know, who are quite content with just staying where they are and, you know, never wanting to move out of commenting, you know, wanting to spend the rest of life. Yeah, and, if you know, fair enough, that's what you want to do. But yeah, exactly. I'm, yeah. I'd want to go out and experience the world and see what I can go and see and, gonna have to try and jump at every opportunity you can do that and there's been quite a few of my pals who all went to australia yeah and just done a year there or you know i don't know how long there and i'd absolutely love just if, if work were to say it to me now you know what it is you can go to australia and in a year's time you can come back and we'll keep your job open for you then i'll, I'll be on the next flight out yeah but, you know, unfortunately that's not gonna happen so i i don't have that opportunity at the minute but we'll go and, out and do that but certainly when i'm on my days off i can go out to you know other european cities or go further afield of course. Well, we're um we're coming up to sort of nearly an hour now, so I think we'll um we'll wrap it up. But I just want to say it's been it's been awfully good to to talk with you because I haven't been able to see you half as much as I'd like to this year. Um, and I'm sure we'll we'll get that bunkhouse re um sort of reorganised when we can, and hopefully have many many more days out drinking across the country and maybe even across Europe uh, from from what we're talking about. Um, I just want to wish you luck for the rest of this term, Joe. Uh, up and uh, what'll well, be up until Christmas now, um, and then uh, you too, Ross, with you sort of until your next seventeen off, and I don't know. Hopefully, look forward to New Year this year, which is always a good one. Um, I know you mentioned you were work, you might be working that night, Ross. So very I similar. Think I'm what, I think I'm getting it off. You're getting that off. I'm so trying. Hope, anyways, I'm fighting for it. Hopefully, Wait, we'll get that um, famous Parker household um, New Year's Eve party. Because uh, that's always one of the most uh, the days of the year that I look forward to the most. It's uh, it's definitely with the karaoke that's always fun, but <laughs> it'll be strange to see what happens this year. I mean, I'm not, I've not got much uh, hope for anything happening this year. Uh, um, but we'll see, I guess. So um, thanks for listening, everyone, and um, I'll be back tomorrow for uh, for a good episode all about sitcoms and comedies. So look forward to that. Um, so again, thanks for listening, and I'll uh, I'll speak to you soon. Cheers, Robson.